0: Hey everybody, I'm Nick McRae, one of your associate pastors here, and it is my honor to bring you uh, a message from God's Word today. Uh, if you haven't checked in yet, we would really appreciate it if you would, uh, if you would you know, go on your mobile device or online, wherever you are, and check in and let us know that you're here. It really helps us to stay connected with you. So this week we are moving into a new worship series that's called Love Revolution, and love revolution is all about the, the the revolutionary love of Jesus, the the way that the scandalous love of Jesus turns the whole world upside down. And uh, during this this month of, of July, we'll be we'll be taking kind of a, a walk through the Beatitudes, those those first. 12 or so verses of the, uh, of the gospel of Matthew in which Jesus announces these great blessings upon, upon, uh, upon the people. And in fact, Beatitudes is just kind of a classic word that means blessings, uh, and blessings could mean something like an announcement of favor, an announcement of fortune. Um, so that's, those are the texts that we're going to be, going to be digging into to discover the revolutionary love of Jesus. But you know, um, Many of you will know this, but before I became a pastor, I uh, I, I prepared for a career as a um, college English professor. And uh, throughout those studies, one of the most important lessons that I learned uh, about reading about any kind of literature is is that context is everything. Of course, this is not just true of, of literature, but it is definitely true there. Context is everything. A lot of the the way that we understand something, the way that we derive meaning from something, is not just sort of the single thing itself, the single whether it's a single um, you know a single page or a single uh, anything, but by all the stuff that's around it that leads up to it. Um, and so, uh, I found that context is the key to, to understanding so many different things. For instance, you can take the greatest novel ever written, whatever that may be, maybe it's something by Tolstoy or, or whoever, you think the greatest novel ever written, but if you just took one page sort of randomly from the middle of it and read it, the writing might be beautiful. I almost guarantee you'd understand basically nothing that's going on, right? Who are these people? Where do they come from? Where are they going? What is, what is, what does it mean that they're saying this now in this time? Um, and yeah, it might be beautiful, but it would be more or less meaningless in a lot of ways because we don't know the context. You know, I think of uh, a time, uh, I guess it was when I was in college, I borrowed a, a DVD from a friend, and now this was a big blockbuster movie, You know, big budget Hollywood movie by, a, by a, a famous director with an all-star cast. I'd been really excited to see it. I'd seen all the trailers. It was just, I was really excited to watch it. And so I borrowed this DVD from my friend and I took it home and I put it in the DVD player and I started watching. Now, uh, as the movie started to play, I was kind of confused. I was like, okay, what's going on? Um, I don't really know who this person is. I don't really know what they're doing. I'm kind of confused, but you know, a lot of times movies will do that. And you, they kind of start in the middle of something, but you'll learn pretty quickly kind of who everybody is. And then that sort of the real plot will begin. And you'll have everything you need to uh, to understand what's going on. Well, this movie kept going on and kept going on and on. And I was just, I was so confused. And I got to the end of the movie and it kind of just dis- ended. And I thought, that was really strange. This was supposed to be such a great movie. And you know what? Half of the stuff that was in the trailer wasn't even in this movie. Like, what, what even happened? Well, of course, you, probably, you may have figured out what was going on uh, before I did, which is I, I soon realized it was a double-sided DVD. And I not knowing that, I had put it in, I had begun watching, and I had watched only the second half of the movie. And so I, I never quite understood what was going on. And honestly, it was kind of a terrible movie if you only watched the second half. Um, so once again, context is everything. We need to know where we've come from, who we're dealing with, so we can understand the importance of what's going on. And I kind of feel this way about, uh, I think especially about scripture, because you know if that's important for a movie, how much more important when we're dealing with, with, with truly holy things, when we're dealing with, with God's word, when we're sort of peering into eternity as it is to see the will of God, the will of God and to understand uh, who God is and who God would have us to be. Um, so I think it's very important. And so I wanna spend the first uh, little while today, really even before we get to the Beatitudes, just kind of setting the stage uh, for, for the rest of today's message and also for uh, the rest of the month, because it's very important, I think, to, uh, to know the context of the Beatitudes before we even begin to look at them. And so, and so uh, if we were to turn to the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, and in fact, this would be the first thing you would encounter, right? If you were to pick up a Bible and say, I wanna know about Jesus, and you were to say, you know maybe I'll start in the New Testament, open up to New Testament, the first thing you'll see is the first chapter of Matthew. And the first thing you would read is this. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay, so we know that Jesus is, is someone who is descended from these people. We go, there's this genealogy and we read that, okay, David was a king. David was a great uh, king of the people who was clearly very important in their history uh, because he's mentioned several times in, the, in this genealogy of, of Jesus. So Jesus is the one, we know already, Jesus is descended from the great king, a, a, a son of the great king, a son of David. Uh, If we go to the second half of chapter one, we see uh, the story that that many of us may may have heard around Christmas time. Uh, Most of us probably have, and some of us this may be new to you, uh, but the story of of uh, of Jesus' birth and what happened there and that there was a young woman named Mary who became became pregnant uh, by the Holy Spirit, we read, and and her husband, Joseph, or her soon-to-be husband, Joseph, sort of learns about this, and and they receive a message from God to not worry that this is is going to be a great child. This has come from the Holy Spirit that uh, we read here in verse 21 that um, uh, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So this is a descendant of the great king, one who would save his people from their sins. And it even says, uh, sort of quoting one of the prophets that he would be one they would call Emmanuel, God with us. Already we get a sense of, of who it is we're talking about when we, when we, we, uh, when we read about, about Jesus. Moving into the second chapter, another familiar story from, we often hear around the Christmas season that there were these great uh, magi from the East, the wise men from the East who had discerned that a king was to be born in the land of Israel. And they journey, uh, journey across, across nations to come. And it says they came and they, and they found uh, the, the child Jesus uh, and worshiped him. So, this descendant of the great king, this, this, uh, this, the one who would save his people from their sins that is called God with us, that the wise men of the world come to worship. And then we learn that King Herod, the king of, of the land of, of Judea there, um, is terrified when he hears that, that the rumor that there's been another king born. And he, uh, he sets out to destroy every child, every young child in the land. Uh, at least in the area where Jesus was supposed to be in order to, 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 to defeat this rival king that he thought might be rising up. And Jesus and his family, they escape into Egypt and they're refugees there. So already, I mean, it's just building, it's building, it's building. The descendant of the great king, the, 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 the one who would save his people from their sins, God with us, who the wise men of the world worship, who kings fear, <laughs> right? And we're, we're only partway through chapter two. When that king dies, King Herod dies. He, um, the the family of Jesus, returns to the land, and they're able to be safe there, and they live in Nazareth. And in chapter three, we, we hear of a man named John the Baptist. This is kind of a, a prophet, a preacher, who was announcing uh, this great news, and he was saying, "Look, the kingdom of heaven is coming near. Right, the time when when God would save the people, the time when God would restore the great kingdom of David, is coming near." Is what he is what he announced, and And he also said this, this is chapter three, verse 11. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So he's announcing the coming of this one who will bring the kingdom. And shortly thereafter, we learn that that one is Jesus because Jesus comes to John. Jesus now is a, is a grown man and he comes to John at the, at the river to be baptized with him. And John says, says, wait a second, I need to be baptized by you, Jesus. Because right? he's the one who's gonna baptize with the Holy Spirit, who's gonna baptize with fire. Jesus, I need to be baptized with you. And yet you come to me to be baptized. And that Jesus, Jesus, it's Jesus's will that this will happen. See, Jesus is showing us the model of of a righteous life, a perfectly righteous life, a perfectly obedient life to God. And and his baptism is part of that. And so John baptizes him. And we read this in uh, verse 16 of chapter three. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. So we just keep learning more and more about Jesus, right? Descendant of the great king. I mean, I mean, on and on and on. He will save his people. The wise men worship him. Kings fear him. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. He is the son of God. And then in chapter four, uh, we begin, Jesus goes out into the wilderness and it says he was tempted by the devil, by the tempter, the adversary. This is the, the, the force that's, that's gonna come and try to, to convince Jesus to, to step away from this righteous life, to, to give in, to use his power and his authority for selfish means. And he's gonna say, you know, Jesus, I know you're hungry. Uh, so make some, some bread. Or I know that that, that, you, um, that, that you are the, the king of the world. Why don't you show, in fact, that God is gonna, is gonna protect you by throwing yourself off the temple. You know what, Jesus, if you'll just bow down to me, I'll go ahead and give you the whole world. You don't have to go through any of the rest of this stuff. We'll just cut it short. But every time Jesus resists, and Jesus um, uh, defeats this temptation. In right? he defeats the tempter. So already all these other things, right? I mean, I, I, I don't, even, don't even have to go through the list again. You probably, uh, re- i fit it so many times, probably remember now, but it keeps building and building and building, right? The one who defeated the tempter. Add that to all of this. And then we read in, uh, toward the, in the middle of chapter four that Jesus began to preach. And he began to preach this. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent just means to kind of uh, change your, your, your way of thinking, change your heart. And in response, change your life, right? Intend to, to do new things, to be a new way, change your life. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near, right? The time when God's, God will, will come and will reestablish that kingdom is now, Jesus says. It's come near because I have come near. So he's the one who is, brings the kingdom with him wherever he goes. And then as Jesus is, go, is moving along, he begins to call st- disciples, students to come to him. Uh, and he comes by them and he says, come and follow me. And people, right? These are guys that are just leaving their, their jobs, leaving everything they have, leaving their families, and just walking away from everything in the world and coming to follow him. He's the one that commands that kind of, of love and obedience. So all of, these, all of these things, right? Great King, save his people, Wise men worship Him, kings fear Him, Son of God, one who will baptize with the Spirit. This is who is going to bless in the Beatitudes. And I think if we we don't keep that in mind, uh, there's still beautiful, uh, wise sayings, but when we realize who this is, this making this announcement of blessing, it changes everything. It changes who we are, who it is that's, that's, that's uh, who it is that's saying it changes what it means for us. It changes how we're supposed to respond to it and what we're supposed to do as a result and what it ultimately means for the whole world. So just before we begin, finally get to the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, we read this, and I think this is very crucial. And this is uh, Matthew chapter four, beginning in verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, right? The good news that the kingdom has come in him, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. So here we have this this great sea of of people, this great crowd of people who were hurting, who who were bound by sin, and so many different things. And then we finally get to chapter five, where it says this, Jesus, now when Jesus saw the crowds, right, as he looked upon this great sea of people, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's, It's as Jesus looks out across all these people. In response to that very thing, that he announces these blessings, that that the poor in spirit are blessed, that those who mourn are blessed. He's, He's referring to those people. These great crowds, though they may be sick, though they may be hurting, though they may be bound by sin, they are blessed. They are fortunate. Because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. It seems that because Jesus has come for them, it's for them, the weak and the hurting that Jesus has come. And Jesus has come for those who mourn. You know, Jesus is flipping the script here. This is revolutionary because not everyone, but so many people of the day, they really thought that when God would do this, when God would save uh, the people of Israel, that it would be, uh, that it would be uh, a mighty army and a great general and a great leader who would ride in and who would, and who would bring war and battle and who would cast out the enemies uh, by force and would establish this political power, establish this great political kingdom like they had in the past. And so with that mindset, you would think Jesus would be blessing, you know, blessed are the strong, right? Blessed are the powerful, blessed are the mighty, blessed are the influential, right? Because those would be the ones who would be able to do something like that, who would be able to bring an uprising, who would be able to cast out the Roman empire of all, of all, of all institutions. It have to be very powerful, but that's not what Jesus does. He flips the script. It's revolutionary because he blesses those that, that, that by any standard, by that culture and by definitely by our culture's standards would be considered cursed. Our culture is very much like the, I think the first century culture in that way. Our culture blesses the, the powerful, the successful, the rich, those who seem like they kind of have it all together. Think about celebrity culture. Think about the way that we have so often idolized uh, politics and look to politics and look to various other uh, sources around us, powerful people, to be the source of our salvation. And yet, and yet that ultimately is not what's going, to, just going to, 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 to bring the kingdom of heaven on earth. It can't. Right? Our culture blesses that sort of thing. But here's Jesus. Here is the descendant of the great king. Here is the one who will save his people, the son of God, the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and on and on. Here he is looking upon the great crowds of the hurting and the sinful and the, and the, and the downtrodden and the poor and saying, these, these are the ones who were blessed. These are the ones who were fortunate. These are the ones for whom the kingdom has come. These are the ones for whom I have come Now the kingdom of heaven is indeed a, a people who recognize that they're, that they're poor in spirit, who recognize their mourning, who recognize that without God, without Jesus, that under their own power, through their own success and their own, their own force, they're hopeless. They don't have it all together. They recognize that. They recognize that, that they need Jesus so much. And then without him, they're lost. And that's who this is. And friends, you know it's not just those who are uh, who are are poor and those who are uh, afflicted with with any kind of disease or sickness or or sin. It's not only those who need Jesus. Of course, even especially those who don't realize it. Those who may feel like we're on top right now. Who may feel like we kind of got it all together. Uh, we need Jesus even more than the rest because we don't even realize our need. It's the poor in spirit, whom Jesus says, "You're fortunate because I have come for you." Friends, maybe you see yourself here. You know, maybe maybe you're hurting. Maybe you feel like the world doesn't need you, like there's no place for you. Maybe you're 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 afraid, or you're plagued by this sense of of, of hopelessness. Maybe you feel like you know maybe the world doesn't really need you. Maybe you're afraid that, that life doesn't really ultimately have any meaning. Blessed are you, my friends. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for Christ says, the kingdom of heaven is yours. You are the reason that Christ has come. And may, or maybe you're mourning. Maybe you are those who mourn. Maybe you're you're mourning because your life didn't quite turn out the way that you'd expected, or it hasn't yet. Maybe you're mourning because you've, you've lost something or someone. Um, and it feels like there's an, an empty place inside of you. And you're beginning to wonder if, if really there's anything that can fill that. Friends, blessed are you. For you will be comforted. The kingdom of heaven is yours. You are the one for whom Christ has come. This is revolutionary love. Revolutionary love that that this this announcement would be made over over, over those who the the world might say doesn't deserve it. That's just scratching the surface, my friends. That's just scratching the surface because, you know, those crowds, that Christ blesses. Even the disciples gathered around him, intently listening, all those who have come, who have left everything for him, who have come to him knowing that they have no hope but him. If you keep reading the Gospel of Matthew, you'll see that ultimately, even those that they'll, they'll, they'll turn away from him. They'll shout crucify him. The disciples will abandon him. And even his closest friend, when asked, will say, Jesus, I've never heard of him. You know why? Because they're poor in spirit. They need Jesus more than anyone else. And friends, you and I are in the same boat. The good news is this revolutionary love is for you. This revolutionary love is, is, is for all who will accept it. The kingdom of heaven, my friends, is yours to all who can accept it. Blessed are you. Kingdom of heaven is yours. Blessed are you, for you will be comforted. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross. That everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. For those who were poor in spirit, for those who denied you, for those who abandoned you, You lived and you died. And you rose again to eternal life to bring the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, help us to embrace this truth. Help us to live in the light of this blessing. Help us to look upon all those that our world may look down upon and recognize your blessing upon them just as you died for us, you have died for all of them. Let us live in that that knowledge and in that great hope. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.